Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh my gosh, you all. This podcast episode is so good. I'm interviewing my friend, pharmacist, life coach, mother of seven, recent mother to puppies that were actually born on her child's due date that she did not ask for. You have to hear the story. She's so incredible. Um, Diabetes reversal coach, Sarah Townley. She's been on the podcast before on episode 64 about the actual effectiveness of SSRIs and antidepressants. She spoke on that as the authority of a pharmacist and also a mom that's been through it. We talked about statistics. We referred to a book we read. It was great. So episode 64 is cool. But this one, we're talking about how listening to our body saved our butts and our mental health postpartum and during pregnancy. I am literally pregnant with number four. She is postpartum by two months with her seventh baby, decided to quit nursing unexpectedly because of reasons that her body gave her. I can't wait for you to listen. We also talk about weight loss. She's incredible. You are going to love this. Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out to find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three and a certified life coach, Lizzie Langston. Right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It's Lizzie. I am just happy if you can't tell. I'm just a little stoked because I have a really good friend and fellow coach and past client. And I'm so excited to share with you guys her. Her name is Sarah Townley. And she's been on this podcast before in episode 64. We talked about the real actual effectiveness of antidepressants postpartum because Sarah is a pharmacist. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. She's also a mother of seven children. She helps people heal and reverse type two diabetes. So what, tell me, say hi. Hi, Sarah. Tell us about you. Hey, Lizzie. Hey, all y'all. I'm so glad to be sharing some time with you on this podcast. Lizzie's a very good friend of mine, and I'm honored to know her. She's amazing at what she does, and she was very instrumental for me in my uh, journey as a coach and as a mom while I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I'm pumped to be here and talking about whatever it is Lizzie wants to visit about because I can visit about anything. I know you can. <laughs> I have some ideas. We've loosely gone over what we want to talk about, but we're also like, you know what? The conversation's just so good when we just flow with it. So we're going to be flowing some. What I can guarantee you guys today is that this it's going to be a good episode. It really is because when Sarah and I get together, the energy is awesome. Also, if you hear weird sounds in the background, that's my dog on my leather couch and he is watching birds out the window and it's serious business and sometimes he needs to change positions. So just know that's that's also happening. Speaking of dogs, can you tell everybody, this is just a fun aside really quick to get to know what Sarah's life has been like in the last little bit. So Sarah, how long ago since you had your seventh baby? And then tell us about the unexpected puppies. <laughs> okay. So he's eight weeks old. His your baby is. is. Hayes. Yes. Hayes. That's so cute. 
And um, I was really angry about this at first, but now it's actually not so bad. <laughs> yes, but, tell us. It's so good. Such a good story. Our golden retriever, who's pretty young, she got knocked up by a neighborhood stud and had puppies on my due date, January 20th. And so those puppies are the same age as my baby. <laughs> and it's been an interesting thing having the same experience with Mabel. The dogs. Yes, we totally connect on a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> um, and this week, those puppies are eight weeks old. So we've been we've been finding them homes. And it's just been very fun. I love people. It's connecting me to people in my community and you know what it is? It's like we're spreading love around. Yeah, puppies. Ser- seriously. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, everybody's falling in love around here. And we only have two left out of eight. If you want them, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I can hook you up. Sarah knows people. Actually, she is the person. <laughs> That's I'll amazing. agree up, though. <laughs> okay, so one of Sarah's I think one thing that Sarah and I share in common that we kind of have identified just as we've been chatting as friends, our, our, oh my gosh, can't talk, on Marco Polo. I am pregnant, so there's that, guys. If I stutter or have weird brain farts, that's because I'm pregnant, just so you know. <laughs> 27 weeks, baby. Um, one thing we have in common is we both really strive. We're not perfect at it, but we both really strive and understand the importance of listening to our body. Um, especially at this stage in our life. So Sarah has actually has seven children. Yes, it's actually real. And she is so beautiful and radiant. And you would, I mean, not that there's a stereotype of women not being pretty after having seven kids, but I'm just going to tell you, like, she's gorgeously radiant and looks so healthy. And um, she is a diabetes, type two diabetes reversal coach. Do you want to say anything else about that, by the way, like before I move on? I have always been a type 2 diabetes reversal coach. It is the reason why I went to coaching school, and I have coached that particular problem for about four years now, and it's my favorite. It's too much fun, and I'm so lucky I get to do it. Yeah, and you have the coolest perspective, and I think one of the reasons your people freaking drool when they find you, they're like, oh my gosh, where have you been all my life, is because you are able to tell it to them not like the doctors try to. So the doctors are, are maybe they're not trying to be condescending, but they've got all this medical knowledge and your people sometimes just need that more of an emotional nurture. That's my dog. More of an emotional nurturing with the medical delivery of the stuff. And then also um, you really understand the system because you've been on the inside of it as a pharmacist. Yes. And the biggest reason why people are attracted to me is because I teach what they kind of know in their gut already, which Mm -hmm. is, this is not a disease I have to have for the rest of my life. And the only, the only thing I'm being offered is medication. And I know that isn't going to fix my problem. And Mm -hmm. I also feel terrible when I take medication. And so the people who come to me are people who don't want to take medication and they want to heal their bodies. And this is not available in mainstream healthcare. Yeah. Actually, there's a similar a similarity between you and I, which is that I have a lot of women who either don't want to get on medication postpartum or they're on it, but they want to get off of it or they're on it, but they have weird side effects. I don't know. I, I tend to draw sort of the more granola, holistic-y women of the world. <laughs> and um, and so, advocates, right? People advocates. who are looking themselves for solutions because they're not willing to settle for what's there. Yeah. Yeah. And the healthcare system like has some beauty in it, but it is also a system and it is kind of limited in the way that um, 
that it can deliver things to us. So um, I want to talk now about kind of our main superpower, I feel like, as coaches and as moms. And really, we're not going to be tooting our own horns as coaches. That's not what this episode's about. We want to talk like with you guys today mom to mom, kind of, mom to mom to mom. Cause there's like, like lots of us here in the room here. <laughs> I mean, there's just us too, but you know, there's a bunch of moms listening. Um, and we want to talk about, um, the role that the, this, this modality or this skill of listening to your body. And we're going to talk about what the heck that actually could mean and what that looks like, um, how it has saved our butts <laughs> when we've been having so many babies. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I want to have you share, Sarah, Sarita, it's today's my, my sister's birthday and her name's Sarah. So it's just fun to say your name. Happy birthday, sissy. (laughs) Um, so the first thing I want to have you share is about your experience this time around postpartum, because by the way, you guys, she just had her baby in January and we're in March, 2023. So her baby is literally three months. No, not even three months old. Two. Two. That's a two, not a three. It's a big difference. And um, I'm going to have her share what happened with nursing because it was very body-centered, this decision. And I know that the decision to be done nursing, how long to nurse, if we nurse, is a really, really big thing and kind of can be a very intellectual battle for women, very stressful. And I actually have an episode on it like towards the very beginning of my podcast, probably in the first 15 episodes. So you can go check that out if you want. But first, listen to Sarah because her experience is really cool. Go ahead, Sarah. Well, I definitely went into this delivery knowing that I wanted to breastfeed for as long as I could. The last time I had a baby, number six, I remember I didn't make quite enough milk for her. But you know what? She's like a giant person. So sometimes I wonder if this was her fault. She's so hungry. She's a hungry hippo baby. Um, But I went into this pregnancy thinking... Yeah, I definitely want to be able to breastfeed. And as I've done the the research that the nerd that I am, I'm always learning and reading and I'm really drawn to functional medicine and just thinking about the microbiome and nurturing that I wanted to be able to provide that to my baby as much as I could. And so I went into this delivering knowing I was going to breastfeed and just seeing how it went. Mm -hmm. And so as it unfolded, for sure, it was going okay but I didn't make quite enough milk. So I was supplementing, which is totally fine with me. And navigating that is always challenging for me. Just having the, this baby that needs something from me that only I can provide a whole nother bodily function to manage. Yeah. Um, and it's just very labor intensive. Like for me, breastfeeding isn't easy. I'm friends with lots of moms with lots of babies who say that it is easy for them. It's Like they can just, they have it all the time. It's always ready. They can get it out anytime that they need to. But for me, it always felt labor intensive, like a lot of work. And especially in the middle of the night, I'm the only one that can get up and feed that baby. Right. Right. And I need to be rested to deal with my life. And that's a challenge to do it. You know, a newborn breastfeeding, only I can help. And so I just, you know, listened as much as I could to my body and and saw, like, I tried not to have a judgment about how it was going to go and just experience it new again as mm-hmm. much as I could. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't easy for me again. And as I went, you know, as he got bigger, I wasn't making enough milk. 
And I just felt so torn because for me, physically, breastfeeding is difficult. And then also I have all these mental things that go on because (laughs) I want to feel good in my body again. Mm -hmm. I've been pregnant for nine months. This was a difficult pregnancy for me. And I like to be able to feel strong and fast and lean again. And when I'm breastfeeding, that is somewhat of an obstacle for me. And so for me, mentally dealing with knowing that and the the whole thing around food and eating and trying to make enough milk when I'm not making enough milk, it was a, it was kind of stressful. Yeah. So, um, at about five weeks, I decided after I'd had mastitis the week before that I was going to be done and it's difficult, right? When your baby's rooting around, once your breast, you have lots of milk, you have enough milk that it hurts Mm -hmm. and you're letting it dry up. And I just had to tell myself for about three days, I only have to get through three days and I won't have this battle anymore. Mm-hmm. Should I feed him? Should I not? Should I feed him? Should I not? Right. Mm-hmm. And after I was done breastfeeding, it was like, it was like I was free again. Mm-hmm. And it was the most invigorating. Like I, it was like I lifted off into the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I noticed a difference you in you because we've been talking a lot on Marco Polo, um, and like just your your bounce was back, like your complexion was back to where it normally yeah. is. You were like getting ready for the day. You know what I mean? It was just like, whoo! Not yeah, we're not trying to say yeah. we're not trying to tell you all to not breastfeed. The point here is that her brain said one thing and her body was saying another, and. And so then she made the choice on behalf of her body, as I understand it. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Sarah. And then um, her brain had some issues with that. But then ultimately, it was like a huge blessing to both parties, <laughs> your brain and body. Yeah, I was like, I knew inside that breastfeeding was not serving me. And it was stressful for me. Mm-hmm. And then once I just honored that, everything got so much better so fast. Like I was able to show up for my family so much better. I wasn't having all of this drama in my mind about eating and food and my body. And I could just put all of that focus and energy into showing up in the places in my life that I wanted to. Like in my business, in my, you know, just in my home and Mm -hmm. with taking care of myself. Like this is really for me about self-care. It's about taking care of my body. And for me, breastfeeding felt like it was in conflict with that. Mm -hmm. Has it ever not felt like that with other babies or has it always felt like that for you? I, and when I think about my first couple of babies, I didn't have that experience. It wasn't until maybe baby number four. And that was a tough one because he had medical problems and he had open heart surgery when he was two and a half months old. Oh my gosh. And I, I didn't even know about managing my mind. I was completely unaware of my thoughts at that time. And I had a lot of trouble. I had a lot of depression around that time. Well, that's so stressful. Yes. And it it brought me to my knees. And it was the first time I actually had suicidal ideation. Mm. And I could see it happening in my mind. I knew it wasn't normal, but I didn't really know what what to do about it. You know, Mm -hmm. after I found coaching, it was like completely life changing. I haven't had that depression. I haven't had anxiety with the last two pregnancies I, and also like you taught me while I was pregnant with number five, how to feel my feelings and process them. (laughs) And I think that that was a life-changing thing for me. Mm -hmm. So the skills and tools that I have now just freed me from all of that. Yeah. Oh, 
It's so good. And I think you even said you saw um, like a, a doctor or not. It wasn't a regular doctor. Wasn't it like a homeopathic natural someone that agreed with you that they're like nursing this time around the breastfeeding was actually a chemical stress on your body, which was kind of oh, cool. Mean, you mean the psychic lady? Was it yeah. a psychic? <laughs> oh, okay. We both have seen this psychic guys. She's amazing. Her name's Brenda. I'll, I'll get you her number. She's by referral only lives in Indiana. She's great. But anyway, um, I didn't realize it was Brenda. I thought it had been some sort of naturopath or something, but she no, it, it actually was, it was the psychic. And she, I asked her the question and she, I thought it was kind of funny because I watched myself sort of, you know, the mom guilt, you just feel guilty about deciding to stop breastfeeding, no matter if you're five weeks postpartum or like 45 weeks postpartum, right. you know, it's just hard. And, um, and so I just needed a little validation of what I knew was true for me inside. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she said, it's actually a, a physical stress on your body. It's a, a stress, not on your, she didn't say anything about my mind. She said, it's a chemical stress on your body. And it was like a light bulb went off because I'd always thought that breastfeeding was an obstacle to me losing weight, even though popular culture and your doctor all say it helps you lose weight. That's just not true for me. It's a hormonal, it does something hormonally to me where I can't seem to lose weight, even when I follow my plan carefully what normally works for me. And then it also limits my ability to use fasting as a tool. But when she said that it was like a light bulb went off because I was like, Oh, my body is physically stressed. It's producing stress hormones. And we know because of breastfeeding, like that's crazy. That's not what we think in our brains. Like it's working so hard to try to make this food for this baby and it's not enough. So, you know, it's working hard and plus I got mastitis, you know, but and it's extraordinarily painful when you get started too. Maybe that's part of it. But I just remember thinking, this is why I can't lose weight because my body is stressed. It's not safe for my body to release body fat when it's stressed out like this. Mm-hmm. And that is nothing to say about the mental stress of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So. Um, okay. You mentioned, I, 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 yes to all of that. And I want to move on because there's so many cool things about you that I want to share with everyone. So one thing you mentioned is using fasting as a tool. You also mentioned finding coaching and the impact that's made. Let's start with fasting because I, what I really want is for people who, when, when we say listening to your body, um, I think all of us might have a different idea of what that means. And I'd kind of like to actually try to define like what that is, even if it's just through little anecdotes and little personal stories so that the women here can start to get a glimpse of what that could look like for them, how they could maybe expand or improve upon the Mm -hmm. way they listen to their body and how that can actually be a useful and reliable tool for healing and preventative, um, preventing issues, both pregnancy and postpartum. So how about how about I start with pregnancy and then you share about how it's been for you postpartum and also the fasting thing. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. And I actually, I love it how it's just beautiful what you just said, because I remember somebody asking me like, what do you call self-care? Like, what do you, how do you define self-care? And I said, I think it is listening to your body, listening to what's true for you and honoring that, whatever that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about what it is to have this ability to listen to your body, it's like having a loving conversation with your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's about respecting and being on the same side as your body. And being willing to slow down or advocate or um, ask for a second opinion. Like 
It's, it's honoring your intuition. So thank you. I'm going to dive in from there and talk a little bit about my philosophy on that. And then I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm really excited about this. And this is honestly, this topic is what brought us both together for this episode because we both feel really passionate about it. Um, and I want to address in this, so don't let me forget, Sarah, I want to touch on processing emotion emotions because that changed your life. It changed the trajectory of your business when I was your business coach and your postpartum coach. Cause when she hired me, she got pregnant, like not that long after. So we were coaching on business, but then she was like pregnant. So it was perfect. Right. That was so funny. So, divine intervention. No divine doubt. intervention. It's totally true. It's totally true. And I had just barely declared myself as the postpartum coach after kind of hiding away from that call, that life calling for like nine months because I was scared of some doctor, like some white jacket doctor. That's literally the thing in my head was like some white jacketed male doctor is going to come find me and he's going to tell me that I can't tell people that their intuition can heal them. like, <laughs> Like he's going to like, he's going to tell me that I can't tell people that there are other options besides medication. And it was just like, I was so afraid. I was so afraid. And then I was afraid of haters too, which I got a little bit, but only when I was afraid of them, when I cleared my fear of them, I stopped getting little DMS by people. And it only happened maybe twice, you know, it's just, it's so funny. Anyway, that's my aside. But, um, Okay. So I teach women postpartum and, and listen, I'm going to, Sarah has told me that I'm kind of good at listening to my body. (laughs) I'm going to receive that Sarah. Thank you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) In fact, no, you have to share what you said about when we, this is just for funsies, you guys. And it's also relevant, but when I was your coach (laughs) and I would stop talking and I would be like, hold on, let me check in with my body. Or what would I say? I don't even know what I said. I would watch you. Like, it was like something got your attention. Kind of like when a fly flies in front of your face, <laughs> you know, and you just like, you just like suddenly notice this thing that isn't part of our conversation and you would just get very contemplative and quiet. And it was because you noticed an emotion was coming up in your body mm-hmm. and you wanted to listen to it. You wanted to find out what it was telling you. Mm-hmm. And that took you getting super present within mm-hmm. and it was, it was disrupted our conversation. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a bad thing. I just got my attention because I'd never really seen anybody doing that before. Mm-hmm. So I think there's three categories of how my body speaks to me. And I want to just share these for those who might, it might be helpful for, um, what I teach my people is the language of the body is sensation. And there's three categories. There's, there's, there's physical sensation, like, um, pain, you know, like maybe my shoulders hurting. I actually believe that's communication from your body. I don't believe that that means we need to go take Tylenol, um, necessarily not that I'm against painkillers, but, um, I get really curious about the root of pain. So sometimes my lower back will hurt and I'm like, okay, I just know that when my low back hurts, I feel under supported. It's a thing for me, whether it's financially, like I don't have, I'm feeling lack and scarcity around money or it's, I'm feeling overwhelmed by usually my children. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. 
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. So um, so that's, that's the first category is physical sensation. Then you've got the emotional sensation. And when I say sensation, I'm literally just talking about vibrations in your body that are created from, I don't know how, do I need to know how? No, I don't. But, but like we have the physical vibrational sensations that we call feelings and every feeling is a different vibration and creates a different, a unique sensation, I guess you could say. So we've got shame, sadness, you know, fear, anxiety, whatever it is, there's those. And then I have what I'm going to call my spiritual sensations. Um, and I've never actually said all this before. It's literally just coming to me in real time as we're talking. This is what I love about Sarah. She always brings out the genius in Lizzie. Um, all my friends do. I, I have the coolest friends. So so my spiritual sensations, um, they'll be more like up in my heart space area. Um, they will they will be it will be like a warmth. And so maybe I'll be coaching a client or I'm talking and I feel something coming through. And that's why I stop because the the spiritual ones, you kind of need to to get your mind quiet and they take a little bit more deep listening. And so sometimes I really will say, hold on. And I'll, I'll literally pause my client for a moment and I'll pause myself and I'll take a deep breath. Or I'll, or I'll just get really quiet and I will listen and I will receive things. Anything from like one time I, I was on a consult with someone. Uh, she did actually end up working with me. I love her to death. Her name's Erica. She knows who she is. And, um, I felt, I felt the presence of her mom. And I didn't even know that her mom had passed away. And so there's things like that that are super special. Um, but then there's also things that are, are, are more like, um, I'll have a thought that comes in that changes the direction of the conversation or like maybe we'll be talking about something back and forth, like a topic, you know, like let's say we're talking about the shame that Sarah feels in her business, for example, like I'm just throwing out a random example. So we'll be chatting about that and we won't really be getting anywhere and I'll drop in and then there will be a question that comes up that I feel guided to ask. And then it like reveals kind of the root thing that we haven't been getting at. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's kind of how I listen to my body. Like now I used mostly coaching session examples, but let me move now to pregnancy. And I can't really speak for postpartum because the last time I was postpartum was before I really had a deep connection with my body. But um, because that was my last de- depressive episode was when I had my third, after my third baby. And that was the last baby I had. And then I found coaching and birthed my business. So that's why there's been such a big break between my youngest is five and this baby will be born when he's almost six. Um, but with this pregnancy with baby number four, um, I, the most interesting, loudest thing my body has sent me repeatedly is anger. And it's new for me. And, and, um, I've done, luckily I've done some work between last pregnancy and this one on my relationship with anger. Cause I was kind of not allowed to be angry much growing up. It was very discouraged and kind of like put that away, like, especially for a girl. No. 
Um, so as I've rekindled that relationship, I've realized anger is never actually directed at anyone. It feels like it is, but it's always just your inner mama bear protecting your inner needs. It is, it is your inner mama bear protecting you. It is telling you this isn't okay. It is letting you know what you believe and what you stand for. And it's so healthy. You guys, it's so healthy. I know we, we like, especially as like little Mormon girls, I don't know, like real Christian conservative people. I just feel like there's this ban on anger. Like, nope, we got to be a good girl. We got to be happy. We got to keep that stuff under wraps, hide it from everyone. And my anger in this pregnancy has come out a couple times and I've had chats with my husband. And at first he's been like, I feel like you're attacking me. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I don't want to attack you. That's not what I want. The anger is here to say that there's this need that's not being met in a way that's going to work for me with the type of support that I want and need in my pregnancy and especially looking forward to postpartum. So um, one way that my body's been talking to me a lot is anger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've even heard anger to like be described as a sin. Yeah, that's a, that's a no. Anger and impatience, like asking forgiveness for anger and impatience. Yeah. I I just have to disagree on that one. I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm saying I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't agree with it either. I don't think our feelings are sins. No, absolutely. I think they're like a guiding compass. Now, I think when, when we're not responsible with our emotions, like for example, when my husband was feeling attacked, I could have used my anger to hurt him, right? I could have taken how much he cares about me and his desire to help me and his vulnerability in being unsuspecting of the things I was angry about. And I could have really like done some work on him. Right. Like, and I think. Or like what, you know, spanking your child out of anger. Yeah. Obviously the action you're taking from the anger may not be healthy. Yeah. Um, but, but the anger itself is just information. It's communication. So that's what I help. I think I help my clients do. And that's what I've been doing in this pregnancy is I've been neutralizing my feelings. Like I don't make them mean things. Um, so part of listening to your body is not letting your brain have a whole slew of drama about what's happening in your body, but instead getting curious about it. And I think that ultimately that's essentially what you did, Sarah, with that decision. So there was biofeedback, there was emotion, there was, um, like low breast milk, there were signs from your body about the chemical stress that it was. And then you had to take those signs and contemplate and think on them. And there was a part of your brain that wanted to go, you know, into the guilt path. When I say drama, guilt is definitely one of those drama emotions or, um, I don't know, fear can be total drama too. Like, um, anything that makes you doubt yourself and, and, um, stuff like that. And so anyway, I just, I think that the key to listening your bot to your body in a, in a constructive way where it actually can change the way you make decisions and help your life be more healthy is being curious about what's there. And, um, I think our biggest obstacle that I want to talk about next together is how, how afraid we all seem to be of our emotions. And I'd love it if you could share that coaching call that we had together where you had that shame coming up in your business and what it was like for you to like finally go and feel it and, and just that experience. Cause I think a lot of women haven't experienced that. Well, I think your biggest challenge Lizzie in teaching me this is that I wasn't willing to see it. Mm-hmm. Now I avoided acknowledging that I was even having shame and it took you many times of coaching me for me to even realize that this was going on. Yeah, Because it was so painful that I wasn't even willing to see that I was having 
shame. Do you want to give a little backstory on like what was happening for you at that time? Yeah, well, I I had this belief that I would get into coaching and start a business and it would be easy for me that I would be able to generate income that would replace my pharmacist salary, which is substantial quickly without a whole lot of effort and definitely no suffering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I think I hired you probably, oh, maybe a year, not quite a year in. To starting a business? Yes. And I realized I really needed some coach, I mean, some coaching to be able to be successful. And so I hired you after seeing you speak publicly about your postpartum depression. That was a really, really life-changing like story. And it was just cool to listen to you be so vulnerable and so articulate about that experience. I'll put the link in the show notes, my friends, for that speech. It's a three-minute speech I gave at the Life Coach School. Okay, continue. That's awesome. Thank you. And I was, I remembered you. And so when I had the thought that I wanted to hire somebody, you came straight into my mind. And that's probably not an accident. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, but it was like the first time I actually hired a coach for myself. And I was having a hard time creating results in my business. And I had a lot of shame about that. I was judging myself because the result that I'm talking about is money. You know? Yeah. So that's what I wanted to create was money, which comes through people hiring me. Mm -hmm. And I was having a very difficult time creating money. And I didn't understand why. And I had a lot of shame and judgment about it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't willing to see that. And so it wasn't until you showed me that the reason why I didn't like it when people asked me how my business was going was because I felt shame. But you hadn't connected those two dots because I think you were so you were so committed to trying to n- not feel it, but it wasn't conscious, right? Like you were like, it was such an uncomfortable, big emotion for you that was so new because you have been so successful relatively easily. Like you told me, like pharmacy school was not that hard for me. I did really well. I've always done really well at whatever I wanted to do. And so this was like the first time in your life that you were like hitting real big friction in something that you really cared about. and. Yeah. And status-wise, like you had told your coworkers, yeah, I'm going to quit my job and become a coach. And so it just felt like, like I really, I really have a lot of compassion for you at that time. But um, this is what I mean, you guys, when I'm taught, and I love, Sarah, you're so amazing to you. let us use this example. Um, but, but I think it's so important because, because we are sort of kind of disconnected from our emotions, especially the most uncomfortable ones, like shame fear, like deep fears, like fear about yourself, like your worthiness, fear about people loving you and accepting you like that stuff. We, um, or even grief, grief is one that really gets missed postpartum. We miss our old lives desperately. We miss our old energy. We miss our body. We miss our relationship with our husband. We miss sex the way it was. We miss all that, but we don't feel like we can complain or express that because we feel like we're supposed to be grateful and we're supposed to be like happy that we have this baby. (laughs) Especially if you had infertility, you're like 10 times more hard on yourself about this. So yeah, you just like, you were so busy trying to fix the problems that you wouldn't have to feel the shame that you didn't even know the shame was there. But as soon as I was able to help you connect those dots, what happened? Well, I'm just a person that is very in my head. Like I'm a type A analytical person. I don't feel like you are anymore as much. Can I say that? I used to be. Yeah, you used to be. I always was up until the point that I learned this skill. So when I saw that it was, oh. I actually am having shame and I'm going to have to deal with this if I want to get what I want. Yeah. And no coach can do that for you, right? Like that was a moment that was very intimate with yourself. I remember that phone call. 
Yeah. We were on. And so I just mm-hmm. learned how to process shame. And I remember sitting in my sunroom when the sun was coming up and, and feeling it on purpose. So I teach this now and I'm grateful that I had this happen because yeah. it, it is so important for me to be able to do this with my clients. And I had to learn how to do it in order to be effective at teaching it. Right. Totally. So shame was such a painful thing. And I just remember finding it in my body and describing how it felt. And I remember doing that on the phone with you and like the textures and sensation and what was it doing and allowing it to get really, really big and inviting that and then watching it go away, Mm -hmm. disappear. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is the, okay. This is the thing I want to say about women. I can't speak for men, so I'm not trying to leave them out or anything. I I just, I'm not a man and I don't work with men. Okay. I have a husband, so I, and I have four brothers, but what I want to say about women is that they are alchemists. Like we are alchemists, you guys. And when you can learn the skill and overcome any fears related to, um, processing your emotions, like when they are raw and real in your body, going straight to them, going directly to them, which sometimes requires energy. Sometimes it requires stopping what you're doing. Sometimes it requires slowing down. Sometimes it requires um, lightening your load, saying no to things, delegating, not being around your kids. So there's a million reasons why we don't do it because um, it's so much easier to just kind of push through and keep going, but then it just gets stored and saved for later as we know. Um, but women, like if you can learn how to actually come in contact with your emotion and, and I'm going to say it's not always the right time in the moment. Like sometimes our emotions are there and we do need to compartmentalize and that's totally fine. But I'm just saying like 80, 20, like 80% of the time in general, if you can just process the stuff when it's actually there, it is so much more fluid and easy in the long run. It's crazy. It's so crazy. (sighs) That just feels good to say. Okay. You know, what's going through my head. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your office and I'm seeing your fat storage written on your board behind you. And I'm like, let's talk about the fasting thing. I kind of want to switch gears here because Sarah is this incredible, incredible intermittent faster. And she, sometimes it's not so intermittent. Sometimes it's like a lot of fasting. Um, and she loves it and she's good at it. And she successfully teaches people how to lose weight all the time, right? Her diabetes clients. And I know because I see the statistics on the episodes on this podcast, I know weight loss is an interest is a very high interest topic for the women that are listening. So what does processing your emotions have to do with losing weight? Oh man, that's a big topic. Um, I, know. <laughs> I will start, I will start with just like, I teach my clients first how to listen to their bodies as the ultimate authority on what is and is not good for their body. Oh, can you like, Oh, can you just like say that 10 times fast or slow or just explain what you mean? Cause that's so powerful. I just, I just want to amen that so hard right now. <laughs> well, you know, like as a pregnant lady, we get told all the time how we're supposed to eat you know, how we're like, what we're supposed to eat, how we're supposed to eat, how we're supposed to exercise, how the, we're supposed to sleep. Yeah. The temperature stuff. of your bath water. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. It gets crazy. And it took me many pregnancies to be like, I know what to do. I don't, I understand that you are giving me recommendations for the general population, but I listen to my body and it knows. You should and see so her face, you guys. You should see her face. She just did her her awesome eye roll. <laughs> Not at me, but like at the people that tell the pregnant women what they should be doing. Okay, that was so great. Keep going. 
Now, I wonder, like, my OB keeps wanting to be my OB. I don't understand because I am the most combative patient. <laughs> You're like, why do you still have, let me be your patient? <laughs> I know because I'm like, no, I will not drink 75 grams of sugar for an OGTT t- test. I will wear a freestyle Libre for 14 days and show you that I don't have gestational diabetes. You will wear a what? A freestyle what? Libre, which is a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor. It check it tests your blood sugar and tracks it and trends it for like continuously. Oh, I thought you had to prick your finger to get that info. Well, you can, but I don't want I, to. I like to get continuous data. <laughs> oh, good. Well, because I also don't want the stupid glucose test, but my midwife like really, really, really really wants me to do it. And she's well, like, they want to check, they want to check their boxes. And they do. And I get it. Cause I'm doing a home birth. So she doesn't want anything, any stone left unturned. And I can, I can totally, like, you certainly want to be screened. No, for, totally. Yeah. But I don't want to drink the nasty sugar crap. So no, she's like, like, well, then you can, prick, she's like, then you can prick your finger, um, three times a day for two weeks. And I'm like, um, no, okay. I'll just drink it, but I'm mad about this. And so you're just giving me another option. So we'll have to talk yeah. more about that after this recording. For Keep sure. Going. For sure. I'll give you the hacks. Okay. So, so yeah, I teach my clients when they come to me who are also very disillusioned about what to do because they just get got this diagnosis a lot of times, or they've had this diagnosis and they've been taught to not listen to their body and just follow instructions. Mm-hmm. And so they come with, what am I supposed to eat? How am I supposed to eat? How much? What time? All of that stuff. Am I, should I exercise? And I say, let's go to your body. Okay. Do you hear that, mamas? Let's go to your body and find out what it does and does not like. Yeah. And I can already hear thoughts like, but that's so hard. And how do I know? So so then what? How do you Well, answer? if my clients are you know, specifically dealing with diabetes, which by the way, the hormones that control weight loss and weight gain are going to be similar to the hormones that control insulin resistance and diabetes. Yeah. So the strategy, that's because so people think that obesity causes diabetes, but the truth is they have the same root cause. Which, <gasps> this is so good. Yeah, Keep going. Which is a lifestyle that causes you to secrete hormones that drive weight gain. That's why they co-occur so often. And when you resolve one, oftentimes the other resolves. And so do a lot of problems go away, by the way. But anyways, we're, my, my clients come to me and they want to know how many times should they check their blood sugar and all this. And so if we can get data and we start asking the body, like, how do you tolerate these foods? How does it feel in your body when you eat like this? What's the quality of your hunger? What are your blood sugar readings? What's the quality of your hunger? Can you explain just a mini explanation? Because I don't know what that means. And it's so, it's so connected to this fasting question that you have, because when we are fat adapted, when our bodies can burn fat efficiently at on demand for fuel as a primary fuel source, which is what people who want to lose weight want to be able to do. Right. They, they want, want the fat. Body. Yes. Right. They want the fat they on their body to be burn used their body fat. as energy yes. so that it goes away. <laughs> yeah. So your, your body fat is a is a source of energy. And if you can't access that because you're insulin resistant, right, then your body's dependent on you eating in order to get energy. And when it's dependent, like a sugar burner, it's going to make the quality of your hunger very extreme. It's going to feel painful. Yes. It's going to feel like an alarm is going off. My kids, my kids experience hunger like that. 
Yeah. And you can't ignore it. You can't think about anything else. It feels like it's never going to go away and you can't do anything until you fix that problem. Okay. What the, let me think of an analogy because I kind of know what you're saying, but I don't want anyone to get lost here. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, okay, when you are not fat adapted, you went, that means that even if you have a lot of fat on your body or excess fat that you want to get rid of, you can't, your body is not using it and it will just right. sit there. And that and you you call that sugar adapted. Is that right? Or usually it's, you're a sugar burner. Your body you're a sugar only, burner. only remembers how to burn glucose for fuel, sugar for fuel, which comes from fresh, like eating right then. Yeah. Well, we're usually eating things we turn into sugar, like any kind of carbohydrate, like carbs. So when you, so when hunger feels really alarming and it really impacts your mood and you crave a lot of carbs, you're probably sugar adapted, right? Yes. I'm just like going through this. So nobody gets lost. Like I said, um, versus I have been fat adapted before. I don't know what I am right now because I'm pregnant. So I'm just trying to like make sure I eat enough. But when I was losing baby weight after baby number three, um, didn't know Sarah yet, but I was using a life coach and I was using uh, getting rid of baby weight. And I did lose like almost 50 pounds in a few months. It was awesome. And I did it the right way where I trained my body. I got off of certain foods so that my body would have to essentially go into my deep freezer of fat stores on my body <laughs> and use that stuff. So it's kind of like when we buy food storage, but then we never use it. Cause we're always, it's like we, we keep buying some food storage, but then we're always just buying produce and stuff at the store and we never use our food storage. It's not bad. It's just one way of doing it versus people who they buy the food storage. And then like, maybe one day they're like, Oh, I have a lot of food storage. I'm not going to go to the store until some of this food storage is legit gone. Like that's what we have to train our bodies to do. So how do you do that? Well, you've got to first, you've got to stop eating the things that are generating these giant spikes in blood sugar and driving insulin resistance where your, your insulin, the hormone that causes you to store fat is going to follow your blood sugar. So when you're eating things that spike your blood sugar, like flour and sugar, anything that has those things in it, then when you're doing that, you're asking your body to be perpetually in fat storage mode. Okay. So let me, I'm going to say that again, because I want to make sure again, this, I don't want anyone to be like, this is too complicated, but I know you all want to understand this. Cause I know you really care about taking care of your bodies and weight loss. So basically insulin is the, is the hormone that when insulin is high, that also means your blood sugar is high. Yeah. They go together. Yes, and whenever, what? Yes. The insulin will follow your blood sugar. Yeah. And whenever, Um, and, and the blood sugar and insulin get high based on the foods you eat. So if you're eating, um, flour and sugar are the most spiking foods. And so, and other foods can spike it too, but not like an exorbitant amount, but those ones will just like fireworks go off your insulin skyrockets, which tells your body store fat, store fat, store fat, use this incoming food as stuff on my thighs and on my hips and in in my butt, (laughs) like my cellulite, (laughs) like that's what it becomes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Yeah. And then on top of that, we're told we should be eating constantly, right? Like you're supposed to eat from the time you wake up because breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And you're supposed to eat five or six meals, smally, small portioned, equally spaced throughout the day to keep your metabolism going. She's whatever. doing air quotes, by the way. This is not yeah. the right. This is not the right stuff she's saying. She's saying the stuff that you get told that's the wrong stuff. <laughs> and let me just tell you, I can talk about this for days because it's like my passion. But I know. It's just crazy to me that we are a species that evolved on the earth without predictable food sources. It's crazy to me that we are told we're supposed to literally eat constantly foods that are not available in our natural habitat as we evolved. And we believe it. And we're like, okay, all right, I got to plan my snacks and my this and my that. So... Okay. So when you're fasting now, I don't, this is not an episode where we're going to go into what intermittent fasting is, how to use it. I'm sure you probably talk about that somewhere. Don't you in your content? Go to my podcast, diabetes revolution. All right. So if you want to learn about intermittent fasting, whether or not you have diabetes, if you want to get educated on this shiz, go to what's it called? The diabetes revolution. The diabetes revolution. She's going to be so famous. Oh my gosh. You're like the perfect package for the diabetes people. But even for the postpartum moms who want to get educated about losing weight and who, if you want to hear more, you can go there. But I want to zoom in now on, so we're not going to go into all the things you know and could say about this topic. They can go there for that. I want to know about, and let's specifically kind of think about postpartum here too, bringing it back to postpartum. The role that listening to your body plays, like how has it saved you? How is it saving you right now? Oh, in my postpartum life? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I know you are intermittent fasting even right now, so you can bring that in. But like generally just in postpartum, listening to your body, how has listening to your body legit saved your butt? So, I mean, even today, I mean, it's every, it's all the time. Like, and, and you may not start with this ability to do this all the time, but like, you've got to start somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get focused on something as specific as how food feels in your body, right. (laughs) Like, or specific, like how, you know, how's my hunger. So today I've been fasting. I fasted all day yesterday. I was thinking I'd break my fast at lunch today and I wasn't hungry. I could eat. I mean, but truth be told, I wasn't hungry. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't eat and I teach my clients how to eat according to their hunger cues. Like real, actual, authentic, proper hunger cues, not the, not the sugar burning like hunger. That's so, so, so intense. So once you get fat adapted, you want to play with some fasting. You're going to need to listen to your body, not just how hungry you are, but also how do you feel? Do you feel tired and weak? Do you have headaches? Are you feeling dizzy? Like these are signs that you're getting dehydrated. Yeah. And we need to be ahead of that. So let's strategize on how to avoid doing, you know, having to break your fast because you don't feel well. Yeah. And then too, like, even if you're not going to use fasting at all, which you don't have to, you do need to listen to your hunger cues to know how much to eat. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to weigh and measure my food for the rest of my life. No, that sounds horrible. 
And it's not, it's like so crazy to me that that's what we think we have to do. Like our ancestors were not weighing and measuring their food and they didn't have obesity and diabetes. What is that? See, and I think that's part of the disconnect from the body, right? Like that's, we use external stuff to compensate for the lack of internal feedback that we are capable of getting, but it's all there. We are just tuned out of it. We have to retrain ourselves to listen deeply to our bodies. And we've been conditioned to think that we don't know that somebody else knows what our body needs in order to be healthy and to be lean and to have energy. So we're always being sold and marketed things like fitness programs, supplements, medications, diets, like that we got to try this gimmick or that diet. And it's, it's so crazy because we, we actually can just tune in to our bodies and they will tell us what is and is not good for it. I would say if you're going to invest in something outside of yourself um, and you're wanting to get better at listening to your body because you have a hunch that that's what you need to do for your next, that's your edge right now, like your learning edge, right? With your health and whatever is um, invest in a coach that can help you learn to listen to your body. Don't invest in a program that's going to give you a solution that's outside of your body, you know? And then once you learn how to listen to your body, if you want to go do a program, but you can take your intuition and your biofeedback with you, you're not going to be going through this hamster wheel of somebody else's process and kind of skipping over the ways that your body doesn't feel good to you. It's like when my husband goes to the gym, I'm, I'm, you know, he, maybe he has a regimen of a workout he's doing. And I'm always like, but don't forget to listen to your body because you know, yeah, maybe this dude on the internet says it's great, but your body might not like it. It's your body. So that's so, so, so important. And I, I agree. You- I mean, that's, that's how I figured yeah. out what kind of exercise to do while I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, if I went to my OB, she would tell me eat when I'm not hungry and don't exercise in a way that my body actually enjoys. <laughs> yeah. So how did, just for curiosity, how did you like to exercise while pregnant? How did your body like to exercise? All I did was the same kinds of exercise I would normally do, but I would listen to my body and just modify. So I'm obviously not going to be doing abs when I'm six months pregnant, the way that that video is going to tell me to do it. So I just modify. Maybe I don't do that part. Yeah. You know, when I'm squatting and my belly's in the way, I'm going to modify. If something hurts, I modify. Yeah. You know, I'm, I might not run up the hill. Maybe I walk up the hill because I'm listening to my body. Right. But I'm thinking what most of us do and what I've definitely done with my previous pregnancies when I had is we just have so much fear, right? And the fear is what totally will shut off your ability to listen to your body. As soon as you're afraid, you're going to jump to your brain and your brain is going to scan its files of everything you've ever been told, somebody else's programming, and it's going to pull one out and say, this is what we should do because it is so afraid that it's not going to let yourself listen to your body, but your body, if you're not afraid, you can listen and you can trust and you can have feedback in the moment. Yeah. And I just like, I, this one particular lady came up to me on, on Sunday, even at church and was asking me about this very topic because she was in fear that she was going to get weak and her body was not going to be strong anymore if she didn't keep pushing herself through her workouts. Mm-hmm. And this pregnancy I had number seven was not like number six. Isn't see even pregnancy to pregnancy can be so different. Right. And me me thinking that number seven should be like number six caused me a lot of trouble until I realized I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop doing that and start listening to my body. And my body was like, these workouts are not good for me because I would do them and I would I would do them and it would feel okay while I was doing them, but then I would feel terrible for like three or four hours afterward. Mm -hmm. 
And even in the next day, I would still feel bad. And it took me some time to connect those to my workouts because while I was working out, it was okay. But then after my workout, I would feel like the life energy was draining out of my body. Like I would sit for three hours straight and not move. Yeah. And no doctor could be like, okay, so listen, on your third pregnancy, these workouts are going to be good. But on your fourth pregnancy, definitely only do these ones. Like nobody else can give you that specific tailored, perfect feedback that your body can stop doing them. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I thought, yeah, I'm probably gonna have to do more work when I'm done with this baby to get back to where I was to get strong again. And it just this wasn't true. Yeah. Like I'm two months postpartum and my workouts are not, not reflecting that I was very deconditioned or lost a lot of strength at all. Mm-hmm. That's so, so cool. Let's talk about pushing through. You just mentioned that when you were, um, you got, you, you realized that you were doing that because I want to talk about the thought patterns that cause women to push through because you guys pushing through is the exact opposite of listening to your body. And we all do it. We all push through. I get it. And there are a million reasons why we do it, but let's just talk about and uncover some of those. I'm going to start for me. One of the reasons I push through is um, I I think about my husband's reaction when he gets off work at the end of the day and when he looks at the house. And this is, this feels like some sort of this feels like some sort of confessional. I do not like sharing this because I'm very feminist and I'm very strong and I don't like sharing that this goes through my mind, but it does. My ego's like, this is not who we are. I'm like, it's fine. It's a part of me. It's fine. Okay. But sometimes I like think I care. I care. I think about what his response might be and I care about what it is. And so even if I'm tired, instead of thinking some beautiful thought, like I am worthy of relaxation, right? That's my new favorite one, by the way came to me in a yoga session and I was like, oh, I'm keeping that. Um, I think thoughts like, I just got to get this done. I I want him to be happy. I want, you know, I don't want there to be discord. I don't want him to give me that look. (laughs) I don't want him to feel disappointed because then I feel probably disappointed or sad or whatever. And so in order to try to avoid, you know, maybe negative feelings because I care what he thinks, that's one thing that causes me to push through. Why don't you share one? We'll go back and forth. Oh, I mean, there are so innumerable examples. Like you said the need to control is, is something. And you said, I I just need to get through this morning. I think is something you said. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought you just meant a specific example of times where I want to push through and I've just learned that I can't do it all in a thousand ways. Right. And as I get more and more pregnant, I can't, but I noticed that the reason why I do it is because I want to control the outcome. I want to control the state of my house or what my kids are going to wear or not wear, or if they're going to get their appointment or not get their appointment or, you know, like I just like to have my house organized and clean. And let me tell you, having seven kids have broken me of a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But when I'm trying to push through, it's because I'm trying to control the situation so that I can feel in control and feel better. And I've had like, for example, these puppies, like I had to, I had to completely like control of that go. It was an, it was an accident essentially and total surprise. Yeah. And I wasn't going to try to control whether or not these puppies were coming or going or what was how they were going to be housed or fed or cared for. Like none of that. I mean, you did delegate to your husband. You said, this is your thing. It's your dog, right? The the him and my kids had to figure out how to bring these puppies into the world and make sure they got their vet appointments and fed and cleaned up and sold. Like that was the understanding we all had because I wasn't going to do it. But you didn't. Yeah, go ahead. 
if I hadn't had these skills to set boundaries and like accept what, what was happening and be in resistance to that because this shouldn't be happening, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I would have so wanted to control that and I would have burnt myself out. I would have pushed through mm-hmm. to get it done. And I would have been resentful and angry the whole time too. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say essentially is that, um, there might need to be a crossroads for some of us women where we need to choose. Do I want control or do I want connection with my body? And it could be that intellectually, you know, maybe emotionally driven desire for control is going to take you out of your body, out of, out of integrity at list of listening to your body. That doesn't mean that you can never, um, take and take a stance that is, um, what's the word, like preventative or be a go-getter. Like I'm not saying you need to sit back and be passive, but we all know that type A feeling of control that we get, whether it's wiping down the countertops or telling our husband what to do or our partner or whatever, or, you know, over-scheduling our kids or, or whatever, stressing about schedules. I mean, you know, a lot of your clients are probably thinking about like this in a way of people pleasing, right? Totes, totes. Yes. I mean, we're trying to control how other people perceive us when we're people pleasing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we push through because we don't want to tell the lady that we're not doing the bake sale or that we're not going to do the pickup drop off situation or teach that lesson at church that they asked us to teach. (laughs) Yeah, because you know what? My body needs rest right now. My body does not. Oh, yeah. 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 And I'm sorry, I've had my kids, you know, I'm, we're not going to do all the things that we normally do. I'm not up to travel right now. Yeah. It's holiday. Yeah. Because I'm freaking pregnant mm-hmm. and I don't want to. Yeah. Let's both, let's wind up the episode by sharing a couple victories that we've had, whether during pregnancy or postpartum. I know you've had a couple when you were pregnant and postpartum, like conversations with your husband or cool things. Um, I'll start. Um, and I want you guys that are listening to think about can you, is there any space where you have listened to your body? How are you, how are you doing well at this? How are you already doing it? Right. Sometimes this topic can feel overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, I really need to improve on this, but think about how are you already kind of already doing it? Um, one thing I've done recently is my husband is leaving on a trip for a week. It's an international trip for work and it's a really cool opportunity for him and he's going to be gone and I'm pregnant and I'm real pregnant. And I'm also pregnant in my thirties, which is different than pregnant in my twenties. And I have thoughts about that. It's a whole different conversation. Anyway, so he was talking about, he has like some money that's just his. We kind of have shared money and then separate money. And he was thinking about how he was going to spend his money. And I was like, oh yeah, but you know, you're leaving on vacation. So remember, you're going to need to like hire someone to replace yourself. So save money for that. (laughs) And, you know, at first he was kind of like, he didn't really like being told that, but I gently like explained firmly that that was my need is if you're going to be gone, you need to bring somebody in to help me. And I'll tell you the times of day that I need help. It's just these couple hours at night. And these are the days that I want the help. And he literally, y'all, he got to work and he texted like our neighbors that we don't even know that well. And they have two 17 year old, 17 year old daughters in high school. And they're going to come over for a couple of the days. And then, um, I actually ended up running into somebody at church that can probably do the other days. So I'm going to go ahead and line that up, but he got me her number because he knows her from before. So, um, that was like a huge success for me. And, um, my body, cause at one point he was trying to negotiate a little bit with me, which I don't blame him, right? Like this is his fun spending money. He doesn't want to like hire people with it, but I, um, kind of like pushed back and I was like, no, cause he kind of didn't want to get someone for every day while he's gone. And I was like, 
why don't you line someone up for every day? And if for some reason I'm feeling good, I will cancel it and then we won't use it and you don't have to pay for them. But I want it, I want it there every day. And that was really, really cool. And my body was just like, that was when that anger kind of flooded up. Like I felt angry and I had to call a girlfriend and process for a minute. And then I was like, oh, it's not directed at him though. This is just, it's just not negotiable. And he's trying to negotiate and I just, I just need to let him know it's, it needs to be every day, the support. So that was a time when like emotionally, I guess there was a cue emotionally and I listened. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I shared some things already about listening to my body that really helped me get through this pregnancy without creating more suffering on top of the pure misery that pregnancy can be. (laughs) Can we just say how real, like we were talking about in the pre-interview to this, we were like, we just need to talk about how shitty pregnancy can be, how hard it is, how uncomfortable it is. I still want to validate that for all you ladies out there who didn't love your pregnancy and don't love being pregnant. Like it is hard. It is hard work. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think about myself. I tell myself like you are such a badass, like that you can, you are doing this again. It is so hard. Mm-hmm. So for sure we feel you. Yeah, <laughs> we feel you. We both raised our hands in, in solidarity. <laughs> I I was sharing with Lizzie this um, earlier, but I really needed some compassion because it was so hard this time. From your husband or from yourself or what? I needed it from my husband. I mean, of course, my friends are very good sources of that. Yeah. (laughs) But I remember even being like seven months pregnant or eight months pregnant in in a hot tub. Ooh, right? I did that. You you little rebel. (laughs) (laughs) with my friends and crying about how I felt so disconnected from my husband at times Mm -hmm. during my pregnancy because I really needed some compassion and he just did not know how to provide it. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he got scared of me. (laughs) And so he was afraid, you know, he was kind of like, like he was trying to hunker down in a storm and hoping it would pass over like nine months of pregnancy. And then, Oh, here comes postpartum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I I really needed some compassion from him and it got pretty bad postpartum. Like I had a really hard delivery and then I had a gallbladder attack and you know, it's all, it's always hard with a newborn anyway, with sleep deprivation and all of the pain that comes in my body when I'm sleep deprived, but also like the nipples just on fire and Then the mastitis, like I had a rough time. Are you going to get him? I needed him to show me compassion and he did not know how to do it. So I had to tell him, I had to teach him. I had to tell him, listen, this is something that I need right now. And I'm falling apart. I'm at my weakest and I'm super vulnerable. And I really need to know that you're here to hold me, that you are concerned for me, that you love me and that you want to help me feel better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and that was more of like a feeling thing, right? It wasn't necessarily a physical thing that I mm-hmm. needed from him. It was like a feeling thing. I mm-hmm. needed to feel held. I needed to feel protected. I needed to feel secure and safe. And I wasn't getting that from him. And so I had to tell him that and teach him that. And he was more than willing. He just didn't know. Yeah. They just don't know, do they sometimes? <laughs> That's exactly. a whole, That should be our next podcast episode. <laughs> What your husband doesn't know that you really wish he did and, and hoped he did and thinks he does, but he don't. Yeah. He don't know yeah, it. I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe I'm actually saying this to you, but I need you to show me concern. 
<laughs> yeah. Which he, I'm sure he wanted to, but he's so used to be you being strong, you know, and there's yeah. that we change so deeply and they they aren't changing in the same ways we are. You know, we're we're like going into a cave. So yeah, sometimes we have to be like, here's how you navigate me in the cave, dude. You know, like because I really for him, like he probably doesn't ever think of me as weak and needy or vulnerable or falling no. apart. Like none of that. That's not who I am to him. But in those times, like that is who I was. I needed him to be strong when I was weak. Yeah. The masculine, by the way, everyone, and this will just, we'll wrap, we're wrapping up. The masculine is constant and the feminine is cyclical and changing. So, um, the masculine is so consistent and then the feminine comes in and, and we, we all have masculine and feminine in us, but I think sometimes we have to educate our masculine partner about the feminine. And in order for us to educate them and get their help in the ways we need it, we need to know what we're going through and how the feminine works. So, you know, I'm the postpartum coach. If you need help with that postpartum pregnancy as well. And Sarah, an amazing diabetes coach and honestly just a mentor. She's got seven children. So if you ever just want to come and talk with her, how can they reach you? Oh, you can find me easily on my website, sarahtownley.com. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'm also on Facebook. I'm the type two diabetes coach on Instagram. So we can share all those links out. And I am out here to support you mamas. Like I love being able to do that. That is such gratifying work to do in the world is just to bring that connection to the people who need it. Like we need connection. Like we need air, right? We do. We do. And we've been not having enough of it. We're all under oxygenated connection wise. (laughs) Especially if you're pregnant and feeling tired or postpartum. So definitely reach out, you guys. I have a brand new Facebook community. I'm going to put the link as well in the show notes. It's for those who listen to this podcast who want to take a step closer to me and a step closer to the other listeners and really feel that sense of community that's totally here. It's just that these episodes are just me to you. I want my community to be more interactive and you guys to me, right? So that will be... Sarah's cheering for me. That will be in the show notes um, of this as well. And it's a Facebook group and I have a special little freebie over there if you join us that is cool. So we love you all. And Sarah Townley, pharmacist, mother of seven, super wonder woman, postpartum and two months postpartum. What else can I say about you? Diabetes coach, saving the world, reversing type two diabetes from the inside out, saving lives. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. You're so welcome. I love you. I love you so much. Okay, I'm going to end our recording now. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Hey, Lizzie here. I've helped dozens of postpartum moms just like you to manage their postpartum anxiety and deconstruct their postpartum depression. It's really easy for me. So if you're ready to feel better, I know the way. Let's chat on the phone. Set up a time by going to lizzylangston.com forward slash consult. It's pretty simple and I will be calling you soon. It's Lizzie here. There's one more quick thing I want you to know about, which is that my online course, Postpartum Freedom, which has all of my teachings that we've talked about on this podcast episode, like learning how to navigate navigate and manage your thoughts and also learning how to calm your body, calm your body, calm your mind, calm your life. So it's so good and it's um, available right now. It's for sale and it's on lizzielangston.com forward slash course. So I just wanted you to know that Postpartum Freedom can be yours and it's cheaper than I've ever had it. And so- 
you can go get it. If you want to work with me, but you don't want to pay as much or you you don't um, maybe can't put in the time right now for private coaching, you know, weekly sessions. Um, I also have remote Voxer only coaching as an option. Um, but I would say start with the course and go from there. So again, it's lizzielangston.com forward slash course. I'll stick all of the links that we need to from this episode today in the show notes. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.